everyone, and welcome back to Real Perspective, the podcast based on a YouTube channel, based on a podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. And I'm Michael Morey. And uh, we're actually uh, blessed with a guest. Uh, I didn't mean to rhyme that this week, but here we are. Uh, Sebastian, I don't know how to say your last name. It's Boje. Boje. I would have I would have said bag. <laughs> <laughs> Sebastian Boje, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, uh, we're here to talk about Detective Pikachu, um, which is a movie where Pikachu talks and wears a little uh, Sherlock Holmes hat and mm. solves mysteries. You know, it is the adorbs. Pokemon movie we all wanted. <laughs> um, but before we get into that, let's get to know our guests a little bit. Um, Sebastian, uh, do you have a favorite movie? I do. And after thinking about this for a little while, I would have to say uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, oh yeah. nice. Yep. Okay. No. It's, yeah. No, that's very acceptable. No, no, I'm going to argue with that. Yep. <laughs> One of only a couple movies I consider truly perfect. Yes. Oh, wow. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't even think my favorite movie is perfect. <laughs> and Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which I, I don't know. I guess there's some argument there about why why is it one of my favorite movies a perfect movie. <laughs> I mean, some stuff can still resonate without it being perfect. Can love imperfection. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes like my favorite movie, it's got higher highs than even the movie that I think may be perfect, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. worth enduring even some of the low parts or the flawed parts to get to those high highs. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, minor, it's... It's a matter of degrees since mm-hmm. it's mine's Jaws, which is another one from Spielberg. So right. it's not it's not like it's too far off from the the, the Raiders thing. But uh, do you have a specific like favorite Raiders of the Lost Ark memory? Yes, actually, uh, yeah, Nazis with their faces melting that was always up there for me. <laughs> sure. I'm, I'm I'm joking. No, the the beginning uh, temple scene really just setting the tone for the entirety of that movie and having that air of the mystic and the magic of these temples mixed with the, the dashing cowboy with a whip. I just think in that first five minutes, without telling you who this person is, you immediately know. And I, I think that that just sets everything so well and the tone of that movie so well. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. Like myth making like a hundred, hundred percent through and through. Have you seen the, uh, the Soderbergh black and white version? No, he, uh, it's available for free on his website. he, muted it entirely it's completely silent uh he added his own score to it and he made it black and white and the idea is that he was watching it to show how you can still get that movie completely visually you don't need any audio or even the the john williams cues to really make that movie work still Mm. and he released that he it was like a creative experiment for some movie he was working on and he released it on his website, and it's really interesting. I haven't watched, sat there and watched the whole thing, but it, it that that opening is exactly like you said. There's barely any words in it, but you still completely understand who this this man is. Right. And that's the key to most art, you know, just show, don't tell. Yeah. Which I think, as we get into Detective Pikachu a little bit, there's a lot more telling than showing. Sure. Uh, I have pushback on that, but we'll get into that in a second. Um, yeah. Do you have any questions for... Sebastian? What is your relationship to movies? Like, what do they mean to you? Are they, oh, like, something that's very uh, <laughs> fundamental to who you are? Or are they just something that's a passing interest? You know, uh, growing up within my family, movies always held a really important place because a lot of us within the family really love trivia. 
And so we loved watching movies and every year we'd get together for the Academy Awards and we'd try and watch them all and we'd guess what should win, what shouldn't win. And we kind of do the same thing with the Golden Globes. And that always culminated around my grandmother's birthday in February. Mm. And so that was a running thing for me growing up. And I remember going to L.A. and my mom would take me to the stuff that wasn't playing in our town and mm. would actually go and, and watch the more obscure things that came out, the the Gosford Parks and the Royal Tenenbaums. Mm. And that definitely instilled a love of it for me for the art as well as anything else. And I took a few film classes uh, growing up and I did a had a background in journalism in part in broadcast journalism so I can really appreciate visual storytelling and how difficult it truly is and I guess that all kind of comes together for me to say I, I really do like movies and they mean a lot to me cool yeah. well let's talk about one um, we're here to talk about Detective Pikachu uh, which is about a Pikachu that speaks in uh, Deadpool's voice and <laughs> uh, solves a crime <laughs> and uh it centers around the Pikachu character interacting with a uh, character. Do you have the character name? Justice Tim, Smith? Yeah, Ju- Justin, Justice Smith. Tim, Tim Goodman. Goodman. Tim Goodman. Yeah. Right. He's trying to solve the disappearance of his father, who was a cop in a city called Rhyme City. And Rhyme City is unique in the Pokemon world in that there are no Pokemon trainers in Rhyme City. They are not um, captured and battled. Instead, they live and work alongside of the humans in Rhyme City. And that was the vision of uh, Bill Nighy's character, Roger... No, Roger's... Rupert Murdoch. (laughs) And his son, Milo Yiannopoulos. Um, And so it was his kind of brainchild uh, to learn from the Pokemon so that's that's kind of the the setup to it. It's this like neo noir story about him solving the disappearance of his father. John as Goodman. Such, uh, yes, John Goodman. <laughs> as such, he uh, the the story has a lot of twists and turns. Uh, it follows actually a really traditional noir structure, um, and. It goes some places, and I think we should just talk about that as it comes. Right. Um, but overall, what did you guys think about Detective Pikachu? You first. I thought there was a lot of it that worked in the movie that no one asked for. And I think <laughs> I think visually, seeing Pokemon in like real-time 3D, which is a problem the Sonic movie is going to have a lot of. <laughs> oh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think that they nailed that, and I think that you really felt like there was this great atmosphere building and seeing them together, and it it worked. It oddly really, really worked. Mm-hmm. Were you a Pokemon fan growing up? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I played Red and Blue and Gold and Silver, and I, I think the last one I played to completion was XY, but I'm also still one of those uh, very, very hidden Pokemon Go players that still oh, okay. play a fair <laughs> amount. All right. Uh, Mike, what about you? Both both questions. Were you a Pokemon fan growing up? And, yes. Yeah. Uh, I was a big Pokemon fan growing up. Um, started with Red, played Golden, played Silver. And then I stopped um, with uh, Ruby and Sapphire. I thought it kind of grew a little long in the tooth and wasn't changing enough. Um, Silver was kind of the peak for me. Uh, and then, you know, I pay attention to it since then, but I haven't really played any of the games. I haven't played Pokemon Go, but it's still pretty near and dear to me because... That first time I played Red just blew my freaking mind. Yeah. Um, so, love the games. Um, I also uh, enjoyed the movie quite a bit. I agree with Sebastian. Um, visually, they nailed it. 
Like, yeah. That they shot the crap out of this. They movie. shot it on but, film. Yeah, which I really appreciated and noticed. It had a real good gritty noir kind of look yeah. to it. The the neon lighting and all that stuff I thought was really good. Um, and they did a good job depicting the Pokemon realistically while still retaining their cartoonish aspects. Unlike uh, the Sonic stuff, <laughs> that, which we'll, we'll talk about later. Yeah. Um, but more than that, I. Um, I enjoyed the movie quite a bit for the first two thirds. It goes a little off the rails in the final third, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, um, but not enough for it to ruin, to be ruined. And in fact, I still think it's oh, that even that last third is okay. Um, yeah. It just kind of loses a little steam. Uh, but I like seeing this world realized, and I kind of want to see more of it. Even if maybe it's not even just <clears throat> detective stuff, but just more things going on in a realistic looking Pokemon world. Yeah, I so <clears throat> my end to Pokemon was the show. Mm. It was uh, something that I started watching, you know, as a kid. I and the show is actually what got me to beg my parents for a Game Boy. So I hadn't had one, and I got into the show like right as the Game Boy Color was coming out. Mm. Obviously, knew about the games at that point, and I got Red and Yellow as my first two games on my Game Boy Color, and. Played through those, played through, I want to say, Silver, and that was kind of it for me. I jumped off pretty early. Like, mm-hmm. once I, those original 151 were very near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. And so once they started adding it, I was like, it's ruined and kind of jumped, <laughs> uh, jumped ship. I did play Pokemon Go for, you know, that month everyone played Pokemon Go um, because it's too good of a concept to not at least try out, I think. Yeah. Um, so it's always a franchise that I've, you know, it, it meant a lot to me. I got really into the card game. Mm. Um, I used to go play in weekly tournaments at our local Toys R Us store. Uh, and I probably saw you there, actually. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Uh, so, yeah, I would go play play the card game. And even, like, that fostered, I think, one, you know, my love of board games into adulthood. And, and I still really like playing games competitively like now it's manifested in like me going to pinball tournaments and stuff but i still have that feeling that i had as a kid going and competing and like sharing this love of something Mm -hmm. that's a little niche (laughs) um pokemon less so the card game more so so it was it hit kind of perfect balance obviously pinball super niche now um in 2019 right and so um but kind of bonding together over other people who understand the ins and outs of something like that mm-hmm. is always been something that has been really important to me. And I think playing in those tournaments, uh, helped a lot. As far as the movie goes, I really liked this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. You guys, I thought it was great. Um, yeah, I think you guys said they nailed it visually. I'll bring up the production design was amazing yeah it's one of the best production design movies i've seen in a long time mm-hmm. um i mean it feels like blade runner with pikachu but yeah. it doesn't like it somehow not mm-hmm. in 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 uh incompatible and i thought it was paced super well yeah i appreciate the fact that it was like basically a 90 minute movie yeah like 100 minute movie, yeah something like that it, it didn't feel like it wasted my time yeah well, like every scene except for one pushed the story forward. Yeah. I felt like. Like, every scene, something important to the story happened. And the only thing, the only time I felt it really slowed down was right before the end. The, um, the lab part? 
right after the lab oh, okay. part when they went out into like in it, the forest, it, and the stuff. forest, and yeah. it ended up being the giant Pokemon, and then like having to follow the Bulbasaurs mm-hmm. um, with her Detective Pikachu. All that I was like, this is kind of long, but at that point, the you kind of knew it was ramping up to the end, and right. the end is almost too fast-paced too um so it kind of made up for it like it it earned that little lull Mm -hmm. right there it just like it was a moment to catch its breath between acts which is fine like it's any like any criticism i have of the movie is more a nitpick than anything Mm -hmm. like i i really enjoyed my time with this movie and in this world what's you're saying like in that lull period and that's the the giant torterra scene Mm-hmm. It feels weird in the sense that it is a lull, but just because there is so much action without explanation, and you have these giant Pokemon creatures that are just brought in to immediately be taken away. That was one of those one moments when I thought, like, oh, wow, okay, Michael Bay style, like, let's just have a grandiose piece because we have a giant CGI budget and we can throw this in there. Mm-hmm. And I think, as you kind of said, it oddly didn't add anything to the story and it just sort of put this really weird blemish which for me was the start of the the falling of Act 3, and, and that's where I think a lot of this kind of came apart, which could have done with more explanation that the front part was so heavy on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of missed that, and I think you're right, and that, that's sort of the trigger point to the movie sort of taking a different direction, or at least slowing down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just... Like I said, it's it's kind of a nitpick for me. Like, it's it didn't ruin it. I still really enjoyed it, yeah. obviously. Um... You had mentioned show, don't tell, and this movie does a lot of talking. Um, but we also talked about how well executed it was visually. Um, so do you think it hit the balance even though it was a very talky movie? I think there were times when it hit it, and then there were times when I just was kind of groaning at it. And for me, it was the first one that they, they did it where I sort of lost it was when you're being introduced to Rhyme City. Uh, Goodman's son, which is named oh Tim Goodman, is on that train. He gets licked by the lick of tongue, and then Tim you have this, <laughs> right? <laughs> and yeah, and then and then you have that video come up where they're explaining Rhyme City and explaining how it all works, but done in a weird sense of well, here's here's our main villain and everyone, but you don't know he's the villain now, and he's going to explain to you how this city works. And I'm just like, why is he telling us? You know, this could just be a a PSA announcement on the train, just sort of saying. Welcome to Rhyme City. Remind you that there's no battling here. That you know, we, Pokemon are supposed to live in harmony, and then move from there. But instead, it was you know a 60 second expository dialogue mm. that explained way too much that you didn't need to know. And and that's where I was sort of thinking like, oh wow, like that that's an odd shift from the beginning where they just threw you a Cubone and were making inside Pokemon joke references. Like that was great. Like mm. what yeah. happened? It's interesting point. I didn't think about that. I think it's like. They wanted to go and set up a lot of the characters very quickly, including, like, here's our main villain. You know, you don't know it yet, but it's like, here's this really famous, important actor who you know is going to factor into something eventually kind of, like, moment. Um, I think it could have been done maybe a little bit more elegantly, but on the other hand, it was kind of like a way of, in terms of screen time or script writing economy, setting up, rather than introducing some reporter other character or some spokesperson doesn't appear again it was like them trying to make the use of the big name actor that they did have i don't know if it was the best choice but it didn't bother me anyway it was just kind of felt like it was efficient yeah i think two things one kid movie um you gotta like you gotta really explain that if kids are gonna get into it i think um two uh i think 
that that's better than having him meet someone on the train because I think he is supposed to feel a little lonely when he first gets to Rhyme City because mm-hmm. he has a lot of pent up uh, he's got a big chip on his shoulder about Rhyme City mm-hmm. um, because that's where his dad moved to and it's you know that's where he perceives his dad kind of abandoned him when he needed him the most which is when he was grieving his dead mother um, so I think having him like meet uh, what's the girl's name uh, Lucy Stevens Having him meet Lucy on the train and having her explain that, I think, would have cheapened his maybe emotional arc over the movie, which is the whole, his whole arc (laughs) over the movie. Um, So I think having a third party explain it on a video screen is maybe a little bit better. Oh, no. And I agree that it needed to have the explanation and that it was done by that party. But having the founder's manifesto spouted in a broadcast style announcement on the train as if it was news blended with the thing everyone hears when they come into Rhyme City was kind of odd to me. It's like, well, mm. you know, these people are assumingly commuters or right. people that have been here before. It's like, why is this guy yeah. explaining this like in such eloquent detail? Like, <laughs> all these people know they've been here before, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, I get it's, that. It's a little forced uh, exposition. I, I get that. Like, something yeah. that everybody already in the in-universe knows. Yeah. So, I get it. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, one of the things the movie does really well is... You don't really need a prior knowledge of Pokemon to jump into this. You just need to know that they exist. Yeah, more or less. I think I think the, the introduction of Mewtwo and his backstory is probably the point where you kind of need maybe more outside knowledge. But you can but get it. it. So you, you get it. I mean, you still understand that he like has been captured by humans and he's got a little bit of a grudge, but he still kind of begrudgingly respects some of them kind of thing. But I think it's like having some more outside knowledge of other stuff helps there a bit more like understand why he's so important um is a little bit more necessary there but i agree with you that uh i think it did a pretty good job priming people who maybe aren't experts in this to get acquainted with the concept fairly quickly and speaking of the visual storytelling front it was cool kind of just seeing like the pokemon living in this world like the the trico like on the glass or whatever Mm -hmm. and i was thinking about kind of moments like that where you it did a good job, like, integrating them into the world and making it feel like it was kind of real and lived in, for me anyway. To that end, uh, Machamp as a traffic guard. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely <right>. perfect. <laughs> yeah, and it yeah. didn't linger on that, really. No. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of things, like, especially in the beginning, where it's kind of just, like, a quickly, it just cut away real quick, and it didn't, like, spend too much time on it or dwell on it, like, the, the joke of that. But yeah, I liked that. It, it, no, it was great. It was very confident, I felt like, especially in the beginning of the movie. The whole movie is pretty confident, I thought. Like, even the the... Um, like the stuff with the dittos, mm-hmm. you know, and and they don't really spend a lot of time like, hey, this is sort of a Chekhov's ditto, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to come back at the end of the, to the point where even I forgot. Yeah. And when that started happening, I was like, oh yeah, he's got like a ditto army that are his assistants and stuff. And it just never really, I thought that it was cool because, you know, like I said, it is at the end of the day, a movie intended for children. Um, And I thought kind of liked how he credited the kids with intelligence enough to be like, oh yeah, because he had dittos earlier mm. and not like have to be like, get it? And like do a Michael Bay spin yeah. around every ditto. Oh. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't like, it didn't stop to be like this this one later mm-hmm. for the kids. But I think like, I saw it in a pretty full theater of kids and they all got it. Yeah. You know, like they all knew what was up. So I, I really appreciated all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, I think... Now that you mention it, you know, it doesn't linger on that joke with the the Machamp. 
the humor was way more understated than I was expecting it. I thought it was going to be like, I thought the jokes were going to be, I don't want to say funnier because mm-hmm. I did laugh, but I just thought they were going to be more, I guess, broader yeah. is the way to say that. But it was, it was more like subtle. I don't know. There's a real, like, subtle funniness to the movie. Well, you hit that. In a lot of children's movies, they kind of will have that moment where they pander to the adults and will add in some, like, higher-level reference that a kid wouldn't get. Mm-hmm. And then it's back to kid jokes and back to simplicity. And in this one, it, it was all just very under the radar. You have Ryan Reynolds making these quick little quips mm-hmm. and things yeah. like that, and similarly paralleled by Pokemon having these funny little interactions where you're like, oh, yeah, that would be a fitting place to have some Pokemon doing that. or And it didn't really force itself into explaining any of those things or give you any of those, you know, but moments. It just was unabashedly itself in that. And I think that really worked in the beginning parts of tone and setting, particularly with the introduction of Psyduck. Mm-hmm. As just, oh, Psyduck was great. Yeah. Psyduck is one of my favorite characters yes. and he deserves an Academy Award <laughs> for his performance. <laughs> Conveyed so much with just two syllables. Yeah. <laughs> MVP Pokemon for sure in yeah, this movie. He was, uh, yeah, he was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and he got, I think, the best jokes in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Um, well, you know, I did think they kind of threw in a couple good, like, little adult humor. Well, not a couple. I mean, they, yeah, there's, there's cocaine references. <laughs> yeah. Uh, torture references. Um, there was a sex Oh, yeah, there was a BDSM reference, yes. The what? A BDSM reference. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pikachu saying, like, I don't, like, normally bring... I'm not that kind of Pokemon, like, in terms of inviting people to his apartment. Yeah, there's some good... I kind of liked it, I did, too. I kind of liked it, like, how weirdly edgy it was for Pokemon. Yeah. It was kind of jarring, but I was like... Okay, I'm, I'm kind of into this. It actually. was kind of the Shazam villain thing where yeah. I was like, whoa! Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, at first I was a little off-put, but then I, I kind of liked it. Especially, like, the, the extended Mr. Mime joke about, like, burning... burning him oh, yeah, the torturing like the Mr. Yeah, Mime yeah, bit? Yeah. I, I, I dug, like, how weirdly dark that got. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Because I, I, I was like, oh, is he... Because at first I was like... Oh, he's waterboarding Mr. Mine. Yeah, that's what I thought he was going to do. I was like, whoa, this is still... Yeah. Oh, no, it's just a gas can. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And then I was like, that's worse. <laughs> he's just yeah. going to burn him alive. No yeah. big deal, yeah. <laughs> and I liked the jokes that he had, like, of, like, blowing out the fake match and then, like, licking his fingers and putting yeah. it out. So then he, like, put the trail of it leaning out. Uh-uh. Yeah, that was that whole scene was pretty gold, actually. Yeah, mime comedy is pretty uh, pretty highbrow. <laughs> actually, I have a friend that went to Paris and actually studied at a modern mime school. And all right, it's all about that humor and conveying that exact thing. And it was odd to see yeah. that style of art portrayed in the middle <laughs> of a Detective Pikachu Very movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for all the parents who haven't seen this movie, it's still pretty. PG. It's pretty family friendly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, even with that. Like, yeah, like it, the kids won't pick up on how no. like, you know dark some of this stuff is. <laughs> I appreciated it. Yeah, um, no, I think that it is. To its credit, it's not. I mean, I keep saying it's a kid movie. What I think I really mean is it's it's a family movie. Yeah, like I think you could take almost any age to this movie and it would be fine. Like, mm. there's nothing particularly scary about it. Um, you know, there's the like Greninja scene, but even that's pretty tame. Yeah. Like, it's, I don't know. I well, think it is. Kid gets like totally frightened at everything. I yeah. Think. Well, and I think you know. So it's, this movie's directed by Rob Letterman, who uh, directed Shark Tale of all things, and uh, but also that Jack Black Goosebumps movie, which is 
also great. And uh, he... That movie's actually pretty scary, but mm. it's based on horror novels, so right. whatever. But it's not like... It, he nailed the like family movie aspects of it, mm. you know. And I've I've watched it. The, both times I watched it, there was a nine year old and like in that I know <laughs> like a friend's kid who saw it with us in the theater. The only thing that really scared her is she's scared of clowns, and there's a terrifying clown, like a straight up Pennywise clown in that movie. <laughs> and then the other nine year old we watched it with is my my wife's stepbrother, and he was fine with it. Like he, yeah. you know, he was super into it, and. Uh, he, but that's the thing is, I think that movie's super entertaining. Goosebumps is, I think that movie's super entertaining outside of the the like kiddie stuff. I think it's just a good entertaining family movie. Yeah, and I think Detective Pikachu is too. Mm-hmm. I think like, you know, it's it's a movie you can take your entire family to, and everyone would like it, and you don't have to be a fan of it. Like, yeah, my old boss took his kid, and he texted me, and he was like, "Hey, I took my son to see Detective Pikachu. I never got into Pokemon when I was a kid. I don't really know anything about it." I freaking loved that movie. Mm. He was like, I was super into it the whole time. You know, I thought it was great. Mm. Well, I think the whole background cast, too, of of directors and producers specialized in visually grandiose movies that have a good family appeal. Because you had uh, the two producers, Mary Parent and Cale Boyder. Well, Cale Boyder had done the SpongeBob movie and Pacific Rim Uprising, and the uh, Parent had done... Pacific Rim and Godzilla's 2014 remake. And all those seem to have very similar undertones of big CGI set pieces Mm -hmm. with some type of either alien or animalistic driver to them. Like a creature. There's some sort of creature. Interacting with the live action, you know, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, heck, like Letterman's biggest movies are Goosebumps, Shark Tale, and Monsters vs. Aliens all hit on that exact same idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. and these are all people that are very familiar with working with computers, very familiar with producing a movie that involves that sort of bizarre element of something that the audience isn't that used to seeing, mm-hmm. and sort of tailing that all together into a, a family appeal. Well, and also the bizarre aspect of it, you have Alex Hirsch as the mm-hmm. who you know that's one of the weirdest shows I've ever seen. Yeah. Have you seen Gravity Falls? No. Okay. It's, excellent it's it's a really good animated like kids show (laughs) but like but actually it's for everyone like i got into it a couple years ago and it's it's fantastic like it's it's actually really well done like if i mean i know i would have like even loved it more when i was a kid but it's still good now it's my favorite animated show of all time and i don't like i don't watch like adventure time or anything like yeah this stuff that like people watch nowadays but this was something that i watched like even older and i liked it quite a bit i watched a lot of adventure time and i'm incredibly offended <laughs> uh, you you'd probably like it then yeah it's like x-files and twin peaks oh yeah, yeah. okay yeah I mean, it's very inspired by twin peaks especially twin peaks it gets very x-filesy in the back half but yeah and, and the so front half like, is straight up twin peaks like, it's, it's kind of like a weekly problem of the week kind of show but mm-hmm. then it comes more serialized toward the end and like you kind of see how all the everything connected before and it was like whoa they're they're like going there with this, so it's yeah. kind of cool. No, it was. It's one of the most intricately plotted shows I've ever seen. I think it's a yeah. you know cartoon, right? Um, but that solidified me because so Alex Hirsch was the creator. Uh, I think he was the head writer, yeah, uh, showrunner guy, and he did a lot of the voices of the main characters. So um, I've been a fan of his for like a year and a half now. It was that's a show, and I don't really watch TV because I have to watch so many movies for this and other projects I'm involved with. 
that was a show that we finished and started again the next night. And mm-hmm. I don't rewatch television. And, uh, you know, it's available on Hulu. We bought the Blu-ray set when it came out. Like, we are about it <laughs> in this house. Um, so... He did that, and then he also came up with the original story for Spider-Verse, which is this big, complex, mm-hmm. you know, hard-to-sell thing, especially in the midst of all this Spider-Man stuff that we're getting, right? We're just getting loads of Spider-Man content the last few years, and this is argu- that was arguably the best one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you get this, which is, you know live action pokemon which doesn't not make sense but then you take the battle element out of it like it's mm. not about a guy training pokemon which to be is the very what, best yeah <laughs> it's not what pokemon is right so it's about this talking pikachu that solves crimes mm. and is an adaptation of a fairly obscure game in the franchise yeah because well, really it was released on in Japan in and, Japan first. And first and it took like a year or two for it to come out in America yeah. when the 3DS was basically dead yeah so um, it seemed like a weird fit actually yeah. I think we should kind of talk about that for one second yeah um, why do you think they went with this versus like doing like a traditional like Hollywood Ash Ketchum like adventure thing I have a suspicion but I do too go ahead you know I'm sure that there's something that lays this all out but uh, i'm just gonna guess in the sense of i felt like those stories were kind of done already yeah the pokemon the first movie in the 2000 kind of closed off all the avenues you could tell with this kind of story no i don't think it closed it off it was just that we'd seen that already yeah and i think this they kind of wanted to bring on something that we weren't used to and and hadn't seen and they they took on some challenges to do that Mm -hmm. and in that same zone i think just straight away from trying to tell a, a traditional one and just said, let's just go for it. You know, let's just build this world. Let's cause it's hard to imagine a world where everyone is always training and fighting and trying to, you know, have their animals kill each other, mm-hmm. which is an odd unstated part of this movie <laughs> sure. in the sense of, you know what, we're just going to build a place where you don't have to be waiting to see if they're going to fight the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And like building a set piece, like street, street fighter for the next big fight scene between these Pokemon. It's just going to be, a story about them and the world integrated within that. Yeah. And we're going to take away the entirety of the battle element. Mm-hmm. I, the last part of what you're talking about is my suspicion. I think they didn't want to focus on the animal fighting aspect of it. And so that's why they went with this detective Pikachu aspect. And so it's just like, the, they live with the animals rather than they have them fight. Now, I think the, the games and their stuff... I think they try to kind of justify it by it's like the Pokemon like to fight. Like it's like they're like boxers almost. Do you know what I mean? But I think there's this kind of uncomfortable aspect to it. If you brought it to live action, it makes it a little more weird with audiences. And so I think they went with this angle. It's like still kind of cather caking into They still can fight, but it's not like controlled, like competitive blood sport kind of thing. So that was my suspicion. I get that. Um, I guess that would look weird. Yeah. Uh, especially because it's just like, these people are just kidnapping these animals. Right. And like making them fight until they pass out. Yeah. Like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, my theory was, it's kind of a test batch. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I think. I think you can do 
uh, Detective Pikachu for less money. Although mm. they spent it, it looks like they spent a ton of money on this yeah. thing. I don't know what the actual budget was, but you know, I think it's a story you can tell. And if you take a loss on it, there are a lot of scapegoats. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't necessarily know this is going to work because video game movies have a reputation. They're a yes. tougher sell to begin with. Mm. Um, Pokemon has kind of a baked-in audience from the the show and the, the, the games and stuff. So that's an easier sell, mm-hmm. but that sell to the games people is going to be tougher because of the reputation video game movies have. So taking something a little more of an odd duck and yeah. outside duck in the... <laughs> In the Pokemon universe, I think helps, you know, like it's, I really like cooking, but I'm terrible at it. Mm -hmm. So if I know I'm going to try out a new recipe, I'll do like one the night before I'm actually going to do it. Like just a single piece of whatever I'm going to make in a batch the next night to make sure I have the process down. Mm -hmm. And this felt like the pilot test for making more Nintendo movies. Interesting. What's interesting about you saying that kind of brings into a larger point in the sense of, we weren't we weren't given a movie that we'd already seen or the animated feature of that or something that was directly appealing to kids. There were big changes made and bigger appeal made that sort of made this approachable for everyone. Yeah. And with that, we're already see- they're already seeing the success of it. So this little test cookie batch they made, we're already gobbling that stuff down. We're we're already hungry and and want more of it and I can't wait to see what they'll do. But I guess that poses the bigger question what do you think about this, just from an audience perspective, led this to be so massive opening weekend? I honestly don't know, because I remember when the idea was first floated, everyone was kind of like, what? Yeah, like, why what? go with this? Why go with this? That's an odd choice. Pikachu talks. Pikachu doesn't talk. Like, yeah. why, why are you doing the talking Pikachu movie? And then the first trailer came out and everyone was like, what is mm-hmm. this? Like, they didn't know what to make of it. And I think the creature designs had to, like, take a long time to grow on people. I know they did me because it was really jarring seeing Pokemon textured. Yeah. And, like, if you think about it for long enough, it makes sense that right. they're fuzzy or slimy or, you know, they're animals, mm-hmm. right? Like, it makes sense that they have some sort of texture to them if they live in our real world. But we've never seen that. We've never seen a realistically rendered pokemon outside of like some fan art yeah um and even in the movie there's some like gengar was nightmare fuel (laughs) (laughs) um but i think that people like needed to sit with the character designs a lot Mm -hmm. i they took their time marketing it like they they started marketing early and often (laughs) um but not and they didn't oversaturate um i i thought you know, no, I don't think they did either. It, but there was something... I, honestly, I think it's Pokemon. I think there's just something about Pokemon that captures people's imagination. Yeah, I think it, it kind of touches you in that, in that like, the, the nostalgia feels, like, in the right way, you know? Um, I think I think choosing the Detective Pikachu concept was maybe a good thing in the sense that it made it more of an unknown. Like, you... You're kind of like intrigued slightly a little bit more by the concept of this rather than if they had just gone this traditional like people fight and that's it. You know, you see like three fights in the movie and then it's over yeah. kind of thing. Like, yeah, because then you're just like animal rocky. Right. Kind of. Yeah. And this I think you kind of like want to see like where it goes and like what, like why, like he's, why is he a detective? Why is he talking? You know, like why is I he think, a little hat? 
Right. <laughs> you know? And so I think that makes you a little bit more intrigued by the prospect of this. And the timing, too, in the sense of, you know, the first Pokemon games came out and the generation that fell in love with them. We're now at the age where we might have younger children. True. Yeah. And or we're old enough to, to kind of want to see something new. We want to mm. see a gritty Maltese Falcon Pikachu <laughs> because we're older and we want, we want the themes a little bit different than the past. You know, we don't want to see Ash Ketchum completely worthless, kill a Dragonite with a Pikachu because of the power of love or whatever. <laughs> you, we, we demanded a little bit more artistic license. And with that was kind of this awesome idea of just like you know what let's just see what happens that yeah. element of the bizarre like that that freaks that elephant man of just i want to go and just see where they go with this like i've you know we, we're familiar with these characters we're familiar with the pokemon and, and generally their canon or at least a lot of people are and let's just see them run wild you know let's mm-hmm. we don't need an introduction to this universe anymore tell a tell an interesting story in the world mm-hmm. set yeah and I think that might have been what got so many people to be like, you know what? I'll, I'm going to give this a try. Let's just see what goes on. Endgame's already old. Like, yeah. After we're done seeing that two more times, let's let's just see something else. Yeah. Although I will say, you know, it still came in second for the weekend. It's still obviously the highest grossing video game movie of all time, but Endgame came in first. So Endgame, I think it, I think it came a little too quickly off of Endgame still. Uh, I still think Endgame is sucking up a lot of the air out of the room. I think may was a little too packed i think i think it could have been doing much better if it released at some other time august. frame yeah it would have been a monster in august or like february or something yeah. like that <clears throat> so th- i think they left money on the table because of that but i do and i don't it's uncontested this week right what's it it's got john wick, john wick. which is rated r right yeah um, the, the audience is not going to overlap there much yeah. i mean us sure <laughs> um, so i think it's got a decent buffer week after generating really strong word of mouth yeah because while endgame is still making every last dollar in existence i think pikachu's taking over the conversation mm-hmm. i think i had more conversations this week about Pikachu yeah. than I did Endgame. Hmm. Mainly because we did the podcast and no one listens to the podcast. So I'm tired of talking about it with people because yeah. they can just listen to the podcast. <laughs> uh, but um, So I was forcing conversations about Pikachu, but everyone I talked to was like, that looks really good. Mm-hmm. And so every, I haven't seen, heard a single person, even like non-gamer people who were like, I'm out. Like, that's stupid. Yeah, no one I, I seem to know seems to think it looked bad, you yeah. know, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, I think you see, like, a lot of movies. You're going to get somebody who's like, that looks kind of stupid. But yeah. Everyone seemed to be kind of on board, which, going back to your point, is interesting because those designs initially were off-putting. Yeah. Like, I don't, I mean, I think I like, kind of changed my opinion over the course of, like, 24 hours. Because I went from being like, this looks terrible. To yeah. To being like. Actually, that 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 is how they would look, you yeah. know. Like they were more faithful than I gave them credit for. Well, there was genius to it because in that marketing, they they showed a lot of their hand. Yeah, yeah. And they showed you the grotesque because mm-hmm. it got buzz and it got the internet going and the redditors redditing and yeah, everyone was really intrigued and in talking about this movie. And in that period between when those first images came out till the movie, there was that time for normalcy and yeah. everyone just sort of agreeing that you know what, yeah, like. I'll stand behind this as a movie and it was so intriguing and grotesque that you know what I want to see what else they got in there and yeah. and let let's watch a, a lick of tongue 
lick this Tim Goodman guy on a train <laughs> for a very, very long time. Yeah. There's a lot of tongues in this movie. Green Ninja too, the tongue stuff. Yeah. There's a lot, yeah. lot of tongue, action. A lot of yeah. tongue in this Gingar's movie. Gengar's tongue, once yeah. again. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, that was horrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the movie made some inter- they made some interesting choices with this movie. You yeah. Know? Um, they, didn't ha- they didn't go the safe route with it, which I thought is interesting. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the plot. <laughs> okay. Um, so... I think the beginning of the movie starts off pretty well, right. uh, all things considered. I think it sets up the world fairly nicely. I think, I think uh, the movie has an underrated heart. Like I think it has a, a good amount of like heart behind it. There's um, a ton, yeah. Like I think it cares about its character, its main character. Yeah. Okay. I, the um, chick whose name escapes me, the love interest girl, it, it does not care about Lucy Stevens. Yes, <laughs> we're gonna keep on saying they, that. They also hate journalists. Uh, just across the board. <laughs> oh yeah, your your journalism background would go and pick up on that. Well, I mean, fake news. So. I'm just mildly offended the entire time. <laughs> but the part about an intern writing top ten lists and blog posts and not getting paid for it—that is completely accurate. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent realistic. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That felt like so, like somebody with like some knowledge of the material. I was having, writing yeah, that. I was having flashbacks to sitting in the editing room of the Arizona Republic. Uh, Comp- making the top 10 high school plays of Friday night thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is too real, man. I, I can't do this. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. That was every, I tried to make it in journalism for a second, like a second. And that was every job that was, that I had the, the qualifications for. It was like, you're going to be writing listicles about nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, the main character is a little bit of a jerk, mm-hmm. but like in an understandable ish kind of way. Yeah. Um, and I think it pays off fairly decently. Yeah. He's not, uh, like, locking cops in pawn shops. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you've seen Shazam, but no. the main character starts off in a, like a real bad place. <laughs> yeah. Like, like his first impression is he's kind of a douche. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, this, this, it gets better. The movie's actually great. Yeah, yeah. That, that opening scene was like, whoa, this is how we introduce the hero? Yeah, like he goes and locks some cops. Like he plays like a prank on cops and like locks them in a pawn shop and then steals, steals their, their police car. car. No, he doesn't steal the car. He steals, he steals, he uses their oh, computer yeah, in the yeah, car. Yeah. And yeah. Okay, never mind. I take that back. And yeah. then he runs away. But it was like, whoa, like, Metal. I don't know. Just, that was like, that was a little much. Okay, whoa moments in the intro. So. Talking about the intro of Detective Pikachu, yeah. I thought it set everything really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just showing Pokemon in the wild, looking like in the hills off mm-hmm. in Los yeah. Angeles, mm-hmm. Golden Hills and Flying Furo and everything. But I loved what they did with Cubone in the beginning yeah. because they gave a nod to Pokemon canon. Yeah. And mm-hmm. for those of you that were deep in the annals of Pokemon, you know that Cubone wears the skull of, depending on which Pokedex entry you're reading, uh, in the movie, they referred to it as the dead relative, but in the original Red and Blue, is meant to be understood as his dead mom. Yeah. No, they reference that it's the mom. Oh, in the movie? in the movie, yeah. Oh, he, ha- okay. he has a line. They do say dead relative, and then later on, when he's talking to the Cubone, he makes a joke about his dead mom to the Cubone. <laughs> that's what upsets the yeah, dead mom jokes. There you go, PG thirteen. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I thought uh, nodding to that at that instance was so cool for because mm. I think it it made that reference to the Pokemon guys that were really into it, and it gave you the credit of knowing that like we know that you guys are really smart and that you know these references and you will get them so much so. That we will make a more than passing reference to it in the outset. Yeah. Establish some bona fides too of the the screenwriters are like, hey, like we were you know fans, stuff. you know. Yeah. Well, and also that it wasn't embarrassed of its material. Yeah, there's so many video game adaptations, especially, but then yeah. even like up until recently, in the last ten years of Marvel, 
comic book adaptations it's like they're embarrassed about the stuff that they're making like yeah. they have to like we legitimatized it because now like you know like the X-Men they're wearing like black leather instead of like wearing like yellow spandex yeah, they or had whatever to do the, like, you know this isn't your nerd superhero right, yeah, <laughs> like yeah you know and uh, it, it didn't like have to do that it felt like this is kind of accurate portrayal of <laughs> yeah. this and this is what it is. So I agree with you. That set the tone pretty well in terms of how they were going to approach the universe. Um, so then we're obviously introduced to the main mystery, which is how did Tim Goodman's dad die and all that stuff. Right. Actually, the movie opens up with that by having the kind of estab- the establishing scene is the dad's car crash, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so, like fleeing a lab where Mewtwo right. broke out of. Yeah, and... I thought they did a pretty decent job, like, kind of framing, like, oh, like, yeah. uh, how, what happened there, yeah. you know? Well, integral to that was Ken Watanabe, like, yeah. basically laying down the, hey, th- I am the noir detective guy that worked with your dad, welcome yeah. to the police precinct, and check it out, you know, I can tell you have problems, but later on, let me just show you the video of your dad dying, <laughs> so you stop this, you know? <laughs> I, thought, I thought he had a really, really awesome role, and then on, one of my favorite moments of the entire movie was much, much later, going off of this... Yeah, yeah, keeping in line with the plot was when he becomes Snubble. Oh yeah, and yeah. I was just like, wow! I never really realized how much the two of them look kind of really like. alike. <laughs> yeah, and now are, I can't unsee. <laughs> people really are like their pets. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know, obviously Tim's introduced to Pikachu, and it's kind of like, how does he speak English? How do they understand each other? You know, and some of the stuff you've already seen in the trailers a lot, but. I thought it did a really good job establishing the Pikachu character in general, um, making him really likable and, you know, mm-hmm. a little snarky, but, um, yeah. but like in the right way. Yeah. Um, he's not Deadpool. He's not, he is not Deadpool actually, which I appreciate. He's, yeah. He's still Ryan Reynolds E, but yeah. in the right way yeah. for this kind of movie. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like, I know you weren't talking about laughing a lot, but I chuckled quite a bit, like, mm-hmm. at the stuff that he was saying. For the he most had, part. yeah, he was really funny in it. Yeah. He was. Um, so I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Obviously, you try and, he has some sort of amnesia about the dad and all you, that stuff. You know what made me really laugh was removing myself from the established conversation Mm -hmm. that was happening and putting myself in the shoes of people walking around them. (laughs) Did you guys do that at all? I'm just like, that Pikachu won't shut the F up. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Presumably it's established that every time he's speaking, he's saying Pika Pika or like his name, like he's making the Pokemon noise to other people. And so it was just like, Wow, I bet people are furious with him. <laughs> well, yeah, he's rolling around with his pantsless buddy and just chowing down on people's bon me laying out there. <laughs> just going, pika, 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 bon me, bon me. He's like, it's like, whoa, bro, like, no one's going to stop and, yeah. like, smack this Pikachu. Like, yeah, what are you it's doing? Like, like a crackhead Pikachu. <laughs> it's got a little hat. It's drinking a coffee. Like... Yeah. Which, by the way, I gotta say, the way they animated Pikachu was freaking adorable. Yeah. Like, dude, yep. just, just, just like the little, like, pitter-patter of yep. everything. Yeah, they they freaking nailed that depiction. Yeah, well, and he had a great line, too, where he, like, he, like, had to ride on his shoulder, and, like, Tim was kind of upset by it, yeah. and he was like, my lungs are the size of grapes. Every every step for you is a thousand for me. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah. Like, yeah. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, they go and embark on this mystery and it involves like animal, the Pokemon going crazy, basically, and how that ties into some of the dad, the dad knows. Um, and then they get introduced to the news people, um, including the villain. <laughs> you mean the demons? Yes. 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 <laughs> Hashtag fake news, yo. Um, 
And they get introduced to the love interest, kind mm-hmm. of. I, I feel like her character's really half-assed. Um, I, I, don't know, I didn't really care for her either way. She doesn't feel like she has much to do other than just kind of be there. Um, so, yeah, they, they needed somebody other than Ryan Reynolds and uh, Justice Smith to just be talking to each other the whole time. So we introduce a ooh, look, pretty girl, everyone, you know? Yeah, kind of. And her best contribution is Psyduck. That's it. Right. Know? Yeah. Enough yeah. said. She's yeah. a vehicle for Psyduck, and I'm cool with that. Yeah, fair enough. I think so. I was like, I kind of liked her, but maybe it's because of Psyduck. Like, I, <laughs> I didn't mind her character really at all. I no, thought there I, was no. a. I didn't mind her. I thought there was enough there of like, okay, so she's trying to make it in this world of journalism. Yeah. And, you know, she's stuck in a broom closet. Like, we got to see into her world more mm-hmm. than, you know, more than like the chicken baby driver. Yeah. You know, like... Uh, I kind of feel like she's a remnant of... I feel like this movie's very like 80s movie Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. Like Goonie, E.T. kind of like... But not boring. But not boring. <laughs> like, what, what I think it was missing though is that that real femme fatale switch though. Yeah. I think... She would have been incredibly interesting oh, sure. if it turns out that she was just the vehicle put there by the media arm to get them to find Mewtwo again. Mm. Yeah. And I thought that's where they're going to go with it. Because, again, I was like, ooh, Malty's talking to you. This is going to happen. Right. Full noir. Then we need the... And she's kind of established as that in her first scene. Like, she's kind of... She, like, she's on the beat, you know? Like, right. she's at Henry or Harry Goodman's apartment. And... She's kind of like in shadow and you're like, oh, this is the femme fatale of the uh-huh. piece, right? And she's like the intrepid reporter. And then it just like becomes a joke of like, ah, actually, I just kind of write list, list articles. Yeah. Right. And then, and then the climax for her is just, oh, wow, I got my big story to break. That's great. Let's go on a date, you know? And it's, yeah. It, it needed a bit more. It kind of reminded me of um, Bumblebee a little bit. Which, like, the male character love interest in that oh. was also kind of half-assed. And yeah. He wasn't really invested in an arc. Okay. He was just kind of there to be somebody that the chick bounces off right. of. Right, right. Um, I didn't mind it. Because, like I said, it kind of reminded me of, like, those 80s movies where you kind of had, like, these love interests that you didn't really care about because all you cared about was the boys. Or, you right. know, whatever. Right, right, like, right. Like, like, the main friends character. Um, but it, it was kind of like, she's definitely undercooked, I think. Mm-hmm. Um so anyway, the movie goes in and progresses from there um, to kind of, I mean, it gets to the a lot of the jokey bits, like the Mr. Mime stuff, the Charizard fight. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I do love that underground battle scene with yeah. Oh, the yeah, the, or whatever. Like, people still feel like they want to battle Pokemon because it's yeah. a sport, right? right. Like, yeah. it's a sport in this world. It's a sport. They, they have stadiums, yeah. literal stadiums, where they go and watch this. You're right. And I thought that was actually a pretty clever way to go <laughs> and introduce battling into yeah. the movie um, and still have a good action scene from yeah. it. Totally. Like, uh, and also set up some interesting stuff regarding like Pikachu and his powers and all this kind of stuff that he can't really use them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a good plot related stuff around it. Also, the DJs were Pokemon. Right, yeah. This, which yep. made me laugh. Yeah, good world building, I think. From Loud Red uh, doing beatbox dubstep was one of the coolest things. For me, a lot of the coolest moments of this movie were Pokemon and how they were integrated in, but do, yeah. using them as a DJ booth was so cool. Mm-hmm. But and I also love like the kind of like so that whole plot device of this R drug or whatever it was for me was also kind of the beginning of the unraveling of it because you have this plot device which is like okay the Pokemon they lose all free will but also that means they're just going to go crazy and try and kill everybody yeah I think they worded that poorly right because it they made it they said they lose all free will they really could have just said they go feral or whatever yeah because like, when you say that something loses free will. That implies you're going to control it. Yeah. Which they sort of do with Mewtwo, mm-hmm. but they still need a separate device for that, which you could also get around if 
you just say he's more powerful like and stuff but like no one ever like puts the r drug into the pokemon and then is like go do my bidding they're just like go be crazy yeah Yeah. the movie could have been exactly the same without the r drug and it just being mewtwo and trying to explain that mewtwo could just make this happen instead of having this like hilarious reefer madness style we give the Pokemon this purple smoke and then they go crazy and then they try and kill everyone. But it did lead to one of my favorite jokes in the movie, which is that when, what was, what's the beatbox? Loud Red. Loud Red? When they get the R drug, they turn into dubstep. Oh. Yeah. Which I thought was hilarious. That made I me laugh really hard. Because oh, yeah. they were just like normal, like club music and then they got R and they turned into, they turned into dubstep. Here's where the beat drops, guys. Yeah. This is where Skrillex gets all of his stuff. Yeah. Skrillex does sound like a Pokemon name, actually. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so, I actually agree with you. Um, so, the convolution around this drug, uh, I guess we should lay some foundation uh, for this, which is that this drug R is something that makes Pokemon go feral, which the bad guy is planning to use Mewtwo then to... They're deriving it from Mewtwo. They derive it from Mewtwo, and then they're going to... The bad guy wants to use Mewtwo like while he's controlling Mewtwo to combine humans and Pokemon together while they're in this feral state. It's not really clear to me why you need mm-hmm. to be feral for that to be accomplished. And I think that's where the idea of the R being kind of useless in terms of the plot comes in. It's just, it feels overly convoluted with, with that. Yeah, I think that, they, they needed to either go all R-Drug or all Mewtwo, but combining the two of them just didn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, so that's I agree with you. The introduction of that is the, the beginning of some plot over convolutedness i feel like this is where you kind of see multiple writers like alex hirsch wasn't part there are of like movie. four or five credited writers there's like there's a bunch um i think you see different drafts kind of combining together um with this aspect of the plot um so anyway we go and kind of move on then to the the lab part which i mean i thought the lab was cool um it it had like a horror aspect, but not really that scary. But I think for maybe little kids, it could be. Um, oh, I thought that was good. I yeah, liked that part. There's a, there's a good amount of dread, I felt like. And there's great section. side up jokes in that scene. Yeah. So. <laughs> Every Godzilla movie needs its lab scene. You, yeah. need, you need to add the aspect of the science. Right. To And the mystery and the weird decisions and choices and, you know, some science ex- experiment gone wrong. Right. To sort of add that in. But also, I think that's kind of where the canon of Pokemon also kind of started coming apart because mm-hmm. Mewtwo has always been this creature that was sort of this mix of DNA, but and I actually wrote down one of the original Pokedex entries for Mewtwo in this. Uh-huh. So Mewtwo is a Pokemon created by genetic manipulation. However, even though it's uh, power or even though scientific power created this Pokemon's body, they failed to endow Mewtwo with a compassionate heart. Mm-hmm. So, what was really weird to me was that Mewtwo was this good guy the whole time. Mm-hmm. And the whole canon of Mewtwo, its creation and everything was always, and in Pokemon, the first movie, that the entire movie is basically about this, yeah. that he has no heart. He's this crazed, you know, Pokemon killer that science created and he's more powerful than absolutely anything. Yeah. And its counterpart is Mew. And Mew's big thing is like it, is the creator of Pokemon. It has the genetic makeup of every Pokemon ever in Mew. Right. And so that's where I was kind of like, wait, wait a second. So they created this crazed Pokemon and they have a shoehorn line in about him learning the value of human life by watching Pikachu cry over a dead detective, uh, Good Harry man. Goodman's body. And it's like, man, they, you really kind of skipped over one of the bigger arcs 
in Pokemon generally. I mean, even the games hint at this mm-hmm. of yeah. Mewtwo being this crazed, you know, super powerful killer. And I was kind of lost on that one of like, you know, I thought Mewtwo should have been the ultimate weird enemy in this or. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying and I agree. But then they have a line in the movie where they basically say that um, he like he wasn't created in that lab. He had been captured by the twenty bad years people. ago. Right, he'd escaped from a cancer lab. A I you know I E oh, right. red or the first movie, and and then he'd been like captured by these guys. So maybe Ash and them already happened. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. So he's already yeah. been through that journey. Is the point? Like he still thinks humans are bad, but he he doesn't like want to kill them all. Like right. you know. But I mean, he's got precedent for that right yeah he's got good reason for it so in a way he's already gone through that journey so i kind of thought it was interesting it's almost mm-hmm. like this movie was like a sequel to the first I think movie it is. i, I, I kind of dug that like in a way i was like oh man yeah. they, they kind of made like that canon in a weird way yeah or, they or the game's canon or something mm-hmm. so you the know? pokemon tears really did bring all the stone <laughs> ash ketchums back to life yeah yeah all right my, my fan fiction is real brother brother <laughs> <laughs> Blessed Union of Souls. Great yeah. song. <laughs> Which, by the way, that first movie's pretty good still. I haven't um, seen it. It's been I, forever. Twitch, like, Twitch had, like, a marathon of all, like, the Pokemon shows and mm. movies or something like that. Oh, cool. And, and so I watched the movie and I was like, the first one's still pretty good. I don't know. I, I Mewtwo's, like, my favorite Pokemon, though. Yeah. Like that and Charizard, my favorite. Yeah. Um, which made me a very happy person for most of this movie. Um, <laughs> uh, my first favorite was Mr. Mime. So, uh, oh, uh, the, yeah. yeah, I was incredibly happy. Yeah, they, they checked all the right boxes on the ones, I think. On like, the nostalgia trip yeah, ones. On the fan favorites. Sure. Yeah. There was a load of Charmander and Bulbasaur. Yes. Which, by the way, Bulbasaur fell oddly into that class of Pokemon that doesn't say its name yeah. as its yeah. only thing. Like, there's a bunch of weird Pokemon where they decided not to do that. Uh-huh. Kingler is always great. It's like, who don't you love your great, you know, your old favorite Pokemon? Cookie, cookie. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah. yeah yeah no um it, it's interesting that like the ones they choose to dub and which ones they just give like animalistic sounds because they definitely gave bulbasaur just like a pure animal like yeah cooing kind of sound. yeah they kind of made bulbasaur cooler or cuter to me than i yeah. initially ever found them in anything else yeah um but anyway get back to the point uh i think they almost made like mewtwo like a Jesus-ish kind of figure uh, in a he, weird way. Yeah, yeah, no, yes, you're right, hundred <laughs> percent. Which I kind of liked in, yeah. in a weird way. No, also. I liked I liked Me Too stuff in this movie. Yeah, um, I'm not like a, as big of a fan of the like villain takes over his mind to go and do stuff. I think that's kind of goofy. <laughs> like, it was that, dumb, but it was. I feel like they did the legwork to not be stupid, well, but like because yeah, yeah. they had mentioned there was like a neural link earlier mm-hmm. in the movie, yeah, and like. Yeah, yeah. They, they, it came back and, and they did it. So see, it that, worked in the movie, but... That gets I, back, yeah. though, to like the overcomplication of the plot thing, though. Yeah. Which is that... So the end of the movie, let's just spoil it. Um, you, you find out that Pikachu is really uh, kind of the merging of Tim's dad and his partner Pokemon, <laughs> Pikachu. Because um, Tim's dad was going <clears> to <throat> die, basically. And so <clears throat> Mewtwo merged them together to save Tim's dad's life, more or less, or at least his consciousness sort of thing. Um, so here you've already you now have established two ways that Pokemon are kind of being controlled by humans. You have this Neuralink concept, and then you also have this Mewtwo merging people concept that the bad guy also wants to exploit to use on people for reasons that are kind of unexplained and half baked. Um, I don't really understand why he wants to do this, but anyway, because he's you, disabled. R- oh, right. Okay, you, and he hit it the nail on the head. Yeah. You needed like one line yeah. with that guy saying the whole reason I want people to be Pokemans is because 
uh, I'm disabled and I, I want to have a, a totally rocking Mewtwo bod. Right. Like, and then, cool, <laughs> saved. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. But so my point is that you've established two methods in which people like are either merging or getting con- or controlling Pokemon. Why, like, having two yeah. of them, that's, yeah. that's like, really, like, unnecessary. Like, yeah. I feel like in another draft of that movie, it's like, Tim's dad was, like, controlling Pikachu with the Neuralink, or they got his mind, just, like, transferred, and, like, and now, or his mind swapped with Pikachu, and there's, like, a Pikachu, like, dad him, like, jumping around in the forest, <laughs> which would be actually freaking <laughs> hilarious. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it yeah. just, it's a little over overdone yeah so this goes back everything you're talking about goes back to what i said earlier in a little bit of a throwaway thing that i'm gonna bring back now which is it follows a very traditional noir structure yeah which is that it's just like it's it's to borrow a line from pikachu it is very twisty like Mm -hmm. it's (laughs) it there's a lot of like new information constantly being revealed Uh. which I, as a fan of the genre, appreciated, mm-hmm. but also as a va- fan of the genre, was really confused about putting into a movie aimed at children. Yeah. Um, because, so so noir, at its core, is almost never about the overarching plot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about the characters and how they react to stuff. It's, you know, it was born out of this, uh, this post-war cynicism um or pre-war cynicism the 30s and uh then kind of doubled down on when people got back and you know saw what had happened and uh, you get all that in this movie but at the same time i was just like why does it need this labyrinthine like noir plot like i don't need the big sleep to invade my pokemon movie necessarily (laughs) right so like the big sleep doesn't make a lick of sense if you look at the plot but the characters are so great and the way they resolved is really good mm-hmm. that it makes up for it. Like, yeah. you know, it's my, my whole thing is like movies aren't just one thing. Yeah. But you kind of need the plot to make sense in Detective Pikachu because yeah. it's a family movie. But, I mean, like, I feel like it does. It's just it, it didn't need like no, this I get layer it. of complication. It, it was really that was the most jarring part of the movie for me yeah. to accept, even as someone who's a big fan of the genre. Yeah. I was like, they're really sticking to the structure. Mm hmm it's a bold move cotton like <laughs> right right and and that was for me where it all kind of started coming unhinged and it was just like it just could have been a little bit different and i have a theory on this yeah you heard it here first <laughs> so i have a theory that uh one of the many writers at some point in changing the plot realized that that whole r serum thing was basically just zootopia's plot and they went sure. oh no what uh... have we done we wrote zootopia because the media magnate was going to profit off of the, all these Pokemon going crazy or something. And then mm-hmm. he could fund his research for a million years and he'd have the only cure. I have no idea. Right. And then they're like, uh, well, let's just make it a little different. Okay, so he's going to make the people into Pokemon for reasons. Yeah. Because even if it explains his own desire to have, you know, a, a fully capable body and eternal life or whatever it may have been, yeah. it doesn't explain the desire to turn everyone in the city into pokemon yeah yeah so my understanding is that this is a very loose adaptation of the game yeah and in the game you play as someone looking for their dad Mm -hmm. with detective pikachu and also the r drug does factor fairly heavily into the story yes the, the r drug is in the game um you don't find out in the game whether or not the dad is Pikachu. Like, that is yeah. left open-ended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I still don't think that necessarily goes and means that Seb is wrong, because the game sure. came out 
I think before Zootopia, or maybe around the same time. Obviously, they were worked on by completely different teams of people at different right. times or whatever. And so when they were adapting it, when they were adapting it, it was clearly probably past Zootopia being released. They came out the same year. Yeah, okay. So when they're working on adapting it for a movie, though, that's when they have to go and be like, well, shit, we have to change this plot somewhat in order to not make this completely the same as Zootopia. You know, they have to be conscious about changing it at that point. So I, I kind of agree with you that that might have an aspect or an element to do with it. Yeah. You know? um, that they consciously chose it. And that was that one part of the story where I wish that we had more explanation. Like, yeah. I wish we had more of the, you know, James Bond villain describing his plot and why mm-hmm. it works. Mm-hmm. Because I think the majority of the audience, if not everyone, didn't get it. Yeah. And yeah. what this end goal was and, and what they were trying to do. But I was so invested by the beginning and the end of the story. I was like, you know what? Okay. Pikachu, Volt Tackle versus Mewtwo. Let's just go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also, I think it's a it, it's also a missed opportunity because Bill Nye like was sold on this material. Yeah. Like he gave it his all, man. Yeah, like he, he believed in it. <laughs> um, so I think you could really get a good, like you said, you know, Bond monologue out of him for that, mm-hmm. you know, that moment in this movie because you, you could tell he was he liked it. He was into it. Yeah. Well, I, I don't want to say like it didn't like. This, none of this killed the movie for me because it's like no, I said before. No, no. I, I really I, I, like the movie. Stuff. Yeah, I still I still think that the last act, I mean, at worst, is like average. You know, yeah. it kind of becomes just like generic kid movie, like yeah. a nonsensical villain plot. Yeah, like, like Amazing Spider Man. I want to turn the whole city to lizards or whatever no, the bad no, that's guy. That's exactly what yeah. I thought of. Yeah, yeah. It, like I'm not a big fan of that kind of like thing. Sure. It was just like bad guy wants to do bad things. Like you know whatever. Sure. And, and, but I still like the drama inherent in it. Like yeah. I still like. Pikachu, like, you know, he, he did the Volt Tackle. He used, like, an attack, you know? And, yeah. and Mewtwo doing cool stuff. Because, like I said before, I like Mewtwo, you know? Right. I've seen him, like, right. kind of flesh out his And you powers. see him, like, you see Pikachu, like, remember, like, he rubs his cheeks and it's like, let's yeah. get a spark, you mm-hmm. know? Like, he found, like, a different path to his powers. Yeah, and, you know, and Tim's kind of dealing with his stuff up in the skyscraper mm-hmm. and, and fighting the Ditto. Yeah, and, and I liked that, actually, yeah, a lot. Yeah. I that thought was that fun. was great. Yeah. That was horrifying. I think that it was, was scary. the scariest part it of the entire so movie. It yeah. was the, the Lucy Stevens character with ditto eyes yeah, yeah. <laughs> i still see that when i close my eyes at night agreed that and that's a good gag like i like that i like that kind of visual humor um so yeah it's, it's a little goofy um with that stuff i mean there's a precedent for it in the games um bill in the pc or whatever he he became a pokemon or whatever in red red and blue um so like they had like this idea of people merging with pokemon somehow mm-hmm. like established but it just felt like a very kids movie e like yeah. that like plot. To me, it had earned it at that point. Yeah, um, it was sort of like the end game thing where like my least favorite thing is that last hour where it's yeah. just like and then CG mashes against itself yeah, yeah, till yeah. it's credits time. But I I really kind of like liked it more in this. Does that make sense? No, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It felt more real to me still. Yeah, it, it wasn't just like this is all made in CG. Yeah, no. like they actually like shot on some actual locations yeah. for this. But yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I agree with you. Yeah, and I think in terms of final resolution, the idea that the dad was in Pikachu the whole time, I was like, okay, I'm kind of with you there. We already did that part with Mewtwo. Yeah. But then the fact that, okay, and your dad's body's back now. It's like, where was dad's body the entire time, Mewtwo? Mewtwo had it, yeah. It's like you you took the broken body and and he couldn't put the consciousness into the body, so... 
I don't know. Maybe there could have been like a scene with like I, I've hid your dad's body in this hyperbolic chamber until he got better. And oh, I don't think well, it was that. Wasn't he just kind of merged in the? Way yeah, he merged being... the people into the bodies. Like Ken Watanabe disappears into is it Snubble. Yeah, yes. Snubble. Yeah. yeah, and like Lucy Stevens kind of just goes right. into her side deck. So oh, so the the thing is that since his body was broken, you can merge broken human body into normal Pokemon body right. and they're fine or whatever. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't think you're supposed to... Like, once again, like like an end game with Cap on the bench at the end, I I don't think you're supposed to think that hard about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing, though. The movie granted you that license to think that hard about it, sure. everything leading up to it. Yeah. And I think that's why I kind of felt so betrayed is just like... The, the whole movie gave credence to that and it didn't play into the goofy Pokemon tropes that we've seen from their other movies or these goofy end results or supervillains. It was actually just a ground level story. Mm-hmm. And I think I would have liked it so much better if it was just him basically going on a camping trip and seeing all these Pokemon in the wild, learning about Pokemon his dad. Snap. Yeah. Yeah, Pokemon Snap. <laughs> yeah, feeding berries and being a Pokemon photojournalist, <laughs> learning about Papa, who turns out to be the Pokemon all the time. Like, yeah. Well, that's always the issue with almost any AAA Hollywood production is the unnecessary blowing up of the scope in the last act, like, <laughs> thing. You know, just, like, shit, man. Just, like, oh, here we go. We got it's the requisite, like, me cussing part of the podcast. Um, <laughs> no, like, just tone it down a bit. Like, you didn't mm-hmm. need to have the stakes be quite so high, you know? So with that... Yeah. Way it resolves pretty personally, though. True, which I did like. So yes, um, I did like how in the end, you know, it really is just down to Tim, Pikachu, quote his dad, you know, yeah. and, and that's really what it was about. Um, yeah, and and it ends on a, a good note, I think. Yes, yeah. I agree. However, <laughs> uh, what now? More than Endgame, right? right? There's a ton of Marvel comics, right? Yeah. What do you do? Like, this movie's popular. It's got pretty good reviews. It's mm-hmm. made money. Yeah. Um, and it's made a decent amount of money going up against the Avengers. Yeah. Uh, clearly, people want more of it. You mentioned you want to see more in this world. Uh-huh. But, like, what do you do? You cannot... Right. This movie is sequel-proof. You cannot sequelize this movie without it being the most contrived thing ever. Right. And exactly how you lose your fan base. Mm-hmm. So yeah. is this the test pilot batch for other Nintendo movies? Is they are they just going to go into the same world again and do just like a different like individual like closed ended Pokemon stories, mm-hmm. or are they going to do a different you know take on Pokemon? Like, do you have Spider Verse and the Marvel continuity, yeah. or like so, the Joker movie? Looking at our cast and crew on this one I think I kind of see the same pitfall that Pacific Rim ran into where you have this amazing scene built you have act one characters introduced world created and now it's like okay well what do I do it's like okay well let's tell a story about an adolescent guy fighting more monsters or do you kind of go the way of like X-Men in the sense of okay well this gives us license now to play with things let's play with what some Pokemon can do like time travel like there's basically Pokemon gods and build stories around that mm-hmm. or do we do like a gritty like Wolverine standalone yeah with him just going off and like Logan and, and being his own thing because we've already shown that there's violence that there's these decisions or, or you can even just tell like an old grizzled detective Pikachu at the end of his life <laughs> or just flip it around just too just growling and, Pika Pika and, and just make awesome. more gritty end versions of, of the same thing and, and play with the world but the problem is 
in writing those, they have to decide what worked in this movie, and if they decide incorrectly, I think they can make a very horrible yeah. sequel. Yeah. yeah, well, and the thing is, they can very easily fall into the problem that... Pacific Rim Uprising is a good example, but I also think of... Um, like Men in Black 2, where uh, Men in Black uh, 1 ends, yep. ends perfectly, you know, with Tommy Lee Jones' character getting his memory erased and he kind of like rides off into yeah, the sunset yeah. and then it has to like undo all of that. Yeah, so, yeah. Because like, and this is like a classic, I want to say 90s sequel thing especially, yeah. where it's like, it, the first movie ends per, like with a perfect bow and then the second movie has to like undo that bow to like tell more stories, you know? And so, <laughs> You have Detective Pikachu. There is effectively no Detective Pikachu really anymore no, yeah. at the end of this movie. You Not know? a thing. So what are they going to do? Like, is the next movie going to start in the five, like first five minutes with like Pikachu merging the two of them again and be like, all right, uh, we got it. Like, you got to solve more adventures as a Pikachu for some reason. Like, I don't know. He's got to go undercover. Right. So, like something like that. Like, that's the only way you can do it. And it's going to kind of betray the first movie a little bit. Yeah. Any way you try to approach that. Yeah. But, I mean, you... But then do you... So then... Yeah. Do you do Pokemon Snap, where it's about this guy kind of learning about Pokemon, you mm. know, this, you know, almost, I don't know, like, into the wild story about yeah. this guy, like, kind of trying to figure out who he is by documenting these Pokemon or whatever, like, mm. you know, do you do that, or do you do Animal Rocky with, you know, Pokemon <laughs> battles, or... You know what I want? Or do you just, do you, do you pivot and do another Nintendo property? Yeah. I want Ryan Reynolds as live action with his regular Pikachu that doesn't have his consciousness in it and like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like <laughs> him going around solving Pokemon murders with his Pokemon and just Ryan Reynolds like yeah, yeah. teaming it up. I think that'd be amazing. You know, but yeah, because you could, I guess you could do father son Pikachu thing. True. I think, I think the thing that Hollywood really likes though is like talking animal sidekick. Yeah, my thing. <laughs> sure. Like, I think I think the thing that we missed maybe in talking about why they went with this concept is I think that I think that's part of the reason why they're doing this stupid thing with the Sonic movie where it's like the guy's a cop and he's working alongside talking animal sidekick Sonic. You know, like <laughs> that's a that's a very established like screenwriting thing that they do is that you get paired with like adorable CG thing and. I think that that's something that they would want to keep for a sequel. Like, they're not just going to want to have Pikachu be, you know, just say Pika all the time. They yeah. want him to have a personality and actually speak. Mm-hmm. So, they're going to find some contract way to You think you're going to sequelize it? Straight up sequel? I don't know. I think it depends on what the legs of this are. Like, um, you know, I think, I agree it's done very well, but... Um, if, if it doesn't, like, do, do so well as to, um, like, justify a true sequel they can just go with like a quasi sequel or a spiritual like or use this as a springboard for something else kind yeah. of like, yeah <laughs> detective meowth. meowth no that'd be gangster meowth actually we'll go sure. to the other side of the law sure <laughs> then, then he can then rob letterman can uh, stretch his shark tail because he had the mobster shark, to the shark tail played uh, oh. by martin scorsese and robert de niro only if meowth is played by will smith I don't know if you if you're begging for the meowth, then we need a team rocket. Oh yeah, I yeah. want the full blown. And I think they alluded to Giovanni, Bradley and... Cooper, and Lady Gaga. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my God, what? <laughs> Got it in one. Done. Oh. I'm, I've already bought tickets to that movie. Let's. let's That'd be this, great. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be an awesome team rocket. In the in the sparrows, man. <laughs> in the sparrows. Sparrows. Damn it. <laughs> um. Anyway, so. Um, at the end of the day, 
I don't know. I, I like the movie, guys. I really liked it. Yeah, I thought it was, it was great. It was fun. Yeah, I, I liked it. I'd give it like a six out of ten. Yeah, I, I would give it more like an eight. But yeah, I'd go eight. But I feel like this is this is like this situation where you know I don't really like comic books that much, so I don't go and inflate my grades with them that much. This is probably where my like of video games and Pokemon probably inflates it by like plus one or something like that. It's probably really more like a seven out of ten. But like I I don't know. I, I like this. It was an eight out of ten for me. Um, I, I, I don't know. My childhood up there. Yeah, it was it was really charming. I thought the pacing was great. You know, like I didn't feel like this movie overstayed its welcome mm-hmm. at all. Um, I want to see more in this world. I want to see them do more with this, like, Pokemon interacting with people thing. It left you wanting more. It left you wanting more. I was entertained the entire time. Like, at no point was I like, this is kind of boring. Also, guys, it it was a good video game movie. Yeah. (laughs) Like, can we talk about that? It's the only certified fresh (laughs) video game movie. That's where I would give a plus one star to this. Yeah. Is the fact that they turned that into something lucrative and fun. Right. And Act 1 and Act 2, I'm with you guys. 8 out of 10. Act 3, it fell apart for me. Yeah. And it, I think I just felt more betrayed than anything in that. Just like, please just give me a couple lines of explanation. Yeah. And I would be completely there. But instead, I, I was literally laughing in the theater when it's like, and now I'm now Mewtwo and I control all everyone. And everyone else is now Pokemon. You are all Pokemon now. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, as you said, that Spider-Man thing is like, well, with this technology, you could cure cancer. And he's like, but I don't want to cure cancer. I want to make I wanna, lizards. Yeah, I want to turn people into dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I totally get it. Um, I... It... it bothered me less i think it, it purchased my goodwill um yeah. enough yep 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 and it something like spider-man where it, it's it's like ostensibly taking place in the real world so the idea of everyone being turned into lizard people like seems even stupider it's like in new york city you know yeah. like like in, yeah. in, in like reality it's not even in like metropolis like a dc movie, right yeah right? It's like it's in new york thing. city yeah. usa and so this is like it's a world full of pokemon like weird shit with Pokemon probably happens yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, especially if you're taking these other Pokemon movies as, as canon or whatever, yeah. you know, like, the world almost got destroyed by, like, Lugia or whatever, you know, yeah. or something like that in, in so presumably their timeline. So... No, yeah, people in Rhyme City are like, oh, Wednesday, huh? Yeah, so... <laughs> I, I was a little more okay with, like, things getting wacky there, because it's, like, still a fictional universe. Yeah. Where things like that could happen, but... I agree with you it's the weakest part for sure it is definitely the weakest part for me there was enough of like lip service to the dumb stuff that was happening earlier in the movie where it's mm-hmm. like well we can't be surprised by this true yeah, so yeah. I I don't know it wasn't like it was coming out of nowhere yeah it wasn't just like surprise I have Mewtwo merge technology yeah but like there's a there's a line about the Neuralink existing when yeah. they are watching the archive video in the but I agree with you that a couple lines would have fixed a lot of stuff sure um and that's something that always pisses me off with like movies that are good but not great is the fact that like they could have like just if, like honestly just spent like one more pass on the script like this could have been like a great movie and that's a testament to just how much you actually like it at the end yeah right yeah and that's what's that's the part that gets frustrating about it's like you you could have liked it even more I think know? the other line that got me is like the secret was in Pikachu the whole time yeah. it was your dad the whole time yeah. power of love whoa <laughs> it's like no I want Ryan Reynolds to be this Pikachu forever like that's yeah. that would have had sequel power right yeah. there yeah yeah I, I'm okay with the, the fact that like or I'm not okay with the fact I'm pleasantly surprised by the fact that the movie 
try to go and like close it out. Like that it that. ended that, so that, definitively. Yeah, that it yeah. wasn't like teasing something. Yeah, um, there's not even a post credit scene. There's yeah. nothing. Like they, they, this is just like we told a story. Yeah, which, but oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say those credits were gorgeous, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah. They, were, they were drawn by the original. Um, oh really? Artist. Yeah. Okay. What oh. uh, I need to look up his name, Sugimura or something like mm-hmm. that. He's the guy who did that, which is awesome. Like that's great. Yeah. So he did like. T- his own takes on yeah. like, the characters from the movie, which is cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, uh, Ryan Reynolds is playing dads now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn it, we're old. That's super weird to me because yeah. he's just like a ripped guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like he's yeah. not a dad shape. Yeah. I mean, all those Marvels guy, Marvel guys have kids and stuff too. And sure. Now, yeah. I think we're just kind of changing what we view a dad as and what they look like, kind of a thing. True. Societally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they don't all they don't all have dad bods. Mm. David <laughs> Harbour or bust. Yeah. David Harbour. If you have a dad in a movie, give me David Harbour or no one else. Yeah. <laughs> if I could go on like my soapbox for one second, I actually speaking of like the movie ending definitively and stuff like that, there's something that I've been reading a lot lately where it's like people sometimes disappointed in the fact that like a movie doesn't tease other sequels which i think is like a cancer upon like movie making like or or i've heard people go and criticize the dark knight as saying like man we always talk about the dark knight on this podcast (laughs) um but anyway like people saying the first movie should have been a joker movie and then like it should have teased two-face and then like been like a two-face like sequel or something like this my my, i was like why is kermit a movie (laughs) idiot voice um like no, like, Two-Face was integral to that movie, like, making any sense in terms yeah. of the themes, you yeah, know? Yeah. Like, you don't, like, He literally just... vomits them. Right. <laughs> like, but yeah, he, like, really vomits the themes. Um, yeah. You don't, like, that's not good storytelling to just, like, tease more crap in the future. Yeah. And, like, or, yeah. or purposefully, like, withhold something so you can make a sequel. Like, yeah. make the best movie you can now kind of thing. Yeah, those people are stupid and shouldn't watch movies. Yeah, I, <laughs> so I got no problem saying that. Yeah, I don't know. So that anyway, that's just like a little thing that's been bugging me a lot lately. I think the Marvelization of movies is kind of contributing that to sure. that a little yeah, bit. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, people stop doing that. Like, tell a complete story. Thanks. Yeah. No, I I did appreciate. Well, I mean, I know Spider Verse is really left open, but I feel like that's a really complete story. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. And you know what? That's a movie that you can arguably say, like, how could they possibly do a sequel? They went and shut down the Collider, you know? So yeah. they, they could do that same Well, I mean, but they, they establish there's, like, a watch that can do it, right? right? Like they Because they go into, like, the Spider-Man 2099 or whatever mm-hmm. and the post credit scene. Like, they, they do the world building yeah, yeah. to set up the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, if for whatever reason the sequel falls apart, it's still a perfectly watchable movie yeah. without that. You yeah. know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, last thing. What is it about this where we look at Pikachu and go, and the Pokemon in this movie, and go, hey, that could be a good video game movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of gross. No, wait a minute. I think it works. Yeah. Versus Sonic where everyone was like, just hard no i'm not gonna entertain this idea i you have done a war crime (laughs) sirs and adams you should be put on trial what do you think sebastian well uh, i guess i'll bear it all since you know whatever i just don't think sonic's even that good to begin with 
Yes! I, if I'm yes! going to be real, I didn't think Sonic was that great. And yes! extended Sonic, like Big the Cat, look at me, look at Big the Cat and tell me there's a God. <laughs> like, <laughs> that. that's why. Big the Cat is why. Next question. <laughs> uh, yes. Correct. No, Sonic. Sonic sucks. No, Sonic sucks. Has since the Genesis, yo. What? Yeah, since the Genesis. No. Yeah. You're wrong. That's so wrong. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Well, first of all, Pokemon is an idea that it's established that they live with humans. You know what I mean? Um, Sonic is, he lives with a human you know dr Robotnik. or a humanoid humanoid yeah it's not really you know who knows you know right yeah in the original games then the sonic adventure games made it like he lives in like san francisco right <laughs> and, and, and then sonic adventure 2 he gets involved with the president yeah, yeah well and then yeah. there's so- sonic, sonic 06 uh, yeah where he kisses a human being that's it it's sonic and humans do not play well together right, yeah. at yeah. all and yeah. we've seen it and it's just this weird cringe fest Mm-hmm. Particularly, the most disturbing part for the Sonic trailer for me was the fact that he has all these worn-out shoes, which means that underneath those sneakers there are Sonic feet. <laughs> that is the most hideous thing in the world I can imagine. <laughs> Have you ever seen like those pictures of Kirby with like yeah, people feet? feet? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, it's just like something's like but introducing this into the real world. Like there's so many implications that like make it so much worse uh, yeah. to think about. Um, so I think that's actually a big problem is that they're trying to sla- fit Sonic into this free an- CG animal interacting with the human mold and it doesn't fit with what Sonic is yeah it should be a cartoon it, sh- it should be literally just a CG cartoon yep the only human in that should humanoid should be Dr. Robotnik yeah and that's it yep you know because I actually like the casting of both Sonic and Dr. Robotnik I think Ben Schwartz is a good choice. I think mm-hmm. Jim Carrey is a good choice. Yep. I just don't want to see them in my world. No. <laughs> no. And it seems like the end of the trailer kind of suggests that they're going to go to like some mushroom place. So they almost, go to like Sonic's world I feel like the something. Chaos Emeralds are going to turn Green Hill into that. Yes. Or something like that. Yeah. But you know what? Like, just just start the movie off with that. Like, yeah. That's, that's the thing about like the screenwriters being embarrassed of the source materials. They like mm. this like this is like too weird we have to go and make it like relatable and set it on earth or something to like make people buy into this that's a real like 80s it's 90s a Transformers problem Transformers problem like we have to get the US military involved in this and have like generals at a boardroom meeting discussing like what are we gonna do my god you know like kind of <laughs> stuff all the time it drives me nuts I hate that crap you know like uh, the first movie I can even think about doing this was Masters of the Universe. Do you know this? Oh movie? yeah, yeah, yeah. The one with yeah. the Frank Langella. Yeah, and Dolph Lundgren yeah. as like yeah, yeah, He-Man yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Like so, the cartoon of that is it's all set in some whatever fantasy, fantasy place, world. you know, yeah. right? And then the movie, like, it's like their battle, our world, like thing, right? You know? And I hate that. It's like the well, worst cliche of like adapting something. Also, it doesn't make sense because that was the biggest time for fantasy movies ever. Yeah, was the later 80s the back half of the 80s yeah like Conan and other stuff yeah Willow freaking Mm -hmm. uh, Legend like there were tons of fantasy movies like high fantasy kind of stuff yeah yeah you you didn't Highlander even like I this this of them being terrified of being off-putting to adults in particular but it's like 
people like watch Marvel movies, dude. Like they watch like a movie about a wizard, you know, or, yeah. or uh-huh. like about a talking raccoon. Like you don't need to go and like set it all in the real world for them to buy into it if the drama is good. But then you have that flip problem that Super Mario Brothers had, whereas yeah. if you buy into this fake world so much and try and make it real, some game worlds just suck. Right, yeah. You it, know, Mario didn't explain the Mushroom Kingdom. It was just, here you go, you know, Italian right. plumber. He's stomping on Goombas. Let's go. Yeah. And it, the platforming is what made it great. But with Pokemon, like, you getting that as a kid, you imagined waking up Hogwarts-style to the day when you go yeah, and you pick your an first RPG, Pokemon. Right? Yeah, right. And you believe that, and you can think about that, and you see yourself and envision yourself in that world. And in Sonic, you never envisioned yourself in Sonic's world. Yeah. You are Sonic when you're playing the Sonic game, or you are Tails, or Knuckles, or whatever. Yeah, good point. And so in experiencing that world, you're experiencing it through the character's eyes, not your own. Really Whereas something point. like a you know, adapt, adapted Zelda game, mm-hmm. you would, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for that Ocarina of Time game oh, yeah. made movie. That would be... Oh, no, yeah. It's yeah. gotta be... Like, it's, it's gotta be coming, man. That's gotta be like, a thing. It, we're like, I feel like we're on the verge of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's something that lends itself very easily to a movie adaptation, you know? Um, and, and I agree with you, the Mario Brothers, but the Mario Brothers uh, movie... Ex- exemplifies the problem great. I'm talking about. <laughs> Shut up. Um, <laughs> it, it's got like it starts off in the real world because you need to like make it relatable, and they go to the weird video Blade game or Blade Runner Mario world, which is terrible, you know. <laughs> but but still, like it's it's unconf or it's unconfident of the material. Like sure. I don't think there's any way that you could do that there's right in live action. You know? <laughs> oh god! But they, yeah, it's the exact problem that we're uh, bringing up. Is at yeah. what point do you bring the game world to the real world, or yeah. you keep them distinct? Right, and uh, you know, there's. This, you know, Monster Hunter, this game series, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're making, like, one with Mila Jovakovic or whatever her name is. Oh, jo- is it? The- Djokovic. Djokovic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is it the bad Paul Anderson yes, director? Yeah, yes, Yeah, her husband. The, the, the one that I always get confused. There's, like, all these Andersons. So that- there's there's Paul T- Paul Thomas Anderson, right. who does, like, The Master and, like, There Will Be Blood. Yeah. And there's Paul W.S. Anderson, who's married to Mila Jovovich. Yeah. And... Uh, they just make Resident Evil movies. Right. And then there's Wes Anderson, who I also got confused among all three. Of them. <laughs> so, I, I Dude, I would watch Wes Anderson's Monster Hunter. <laughs> so like, yeah, I, was, I was so confused, like, which ones to watch for a long time because of this. Anyway, um, this movie, Monster Hunter is about, like, a traditional fantasy, like, you go and, like, fight monsters, big-ass monsters yeah. and kill them, right? For pelts and you make yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, Okay, the plot of the movie is, like, a U.S. Special Forces team <laughs> goes and gets drawn into a portal into another world. And, like, they're, like, in, like, they're driving a Humvee and they got, like, a body armor well, on. It's like, what? Like, but oh. that's what they did to Resident Evil. And the crazy thing about Resident Evil is they're a horror movie. Right. <laughs> like, you don't have to sell it that hard. God. It is... Please tell me that the, one of the leaders of the Special Forces team is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Like, <laughs> oh my God. I know. He was too no. busy filming Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only reason he's not in it. Yeah. Also, it's a Paul what? W. S. Anderson movie. Yeah, he doesn't have the budget for it. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he doesn't. Jeez. It's uh It's uh Oh gosh. Uh Randy Couture. Oh. Oh, perfect. It's not, yeah. but that's like that <laughs> yeah, was that, my that, the budget the level. Yeah. 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 Because um, he took over for the Scorpion King. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there has to be the right pairing of um, proper movie or video game property plus the right take on it. Like, not everything is well suited to live action. Like, 
I think after the Mario Bros. movie, I think we now know that there should never be a live-action Mario. So <laughs> well, yeah, be... and they're doing a cartoon. Right. The, the, the Minions C... people are doing it. Or right. Illumination Studios is doing it, not yeah, necessarily. I can see that working. Yeah, totally. You know? 100%. Um, so there's just, like, there's a right way to adapt some of these things. Not everything should be adapted, probably. But... Yeah. I don't think a Sonic movie is inherently a terrible idea. No, I think you could do, like, a really fun CG movie where it's almost like, uh, like... Wiley Coyote versus the Roadrunner. Oh like yeah, the like yeah, you know you like ninety minutes ish yep. or something like that with Robotnik and Sonic. But yeah, and maybe like go a little bit further with than just that. Like, I mean the cartoon. Oh, I like the cartoons as a kid. Like the, the Sonic one, cartoons. Yeah, like the one with the, the kind of like dark the chili dog ones. Future one. That oh one. yeah, but yeah, the yeah. chili dog one was funny like as a kid. Yeah, but um, I don't know. You just you just don't do it the way that they did do it. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but I think you. I mean, I think you got the you hit the nail on the head, Sebastian. Which yeah, is the role playing. Aspect. The role playing aspect of it is like when you play Pokemon, you are in Pokemon. When yeah. You play Sonic, you are Sonic. Yeah. You know, you're you are assuming the role of this cartoon character right. that you control on the screen. Which when is, you, yeah, which explains why the most offensive part is how they made Sonic look, which was not how any of us envisioned Sonic. Oh, like a child in a fursona. <laughs> oh yeah, his forehead. The every everything about that is broken and. Those poor animators working their fingers to the bone to try and fix it. Uh, Guys, you you don't want to go and role play as Sonic in Sonic 2006 (laughs) and kiss kiss like a human girl? You know, some people do. I mean, in the sense that I am a human who can kiss a human girl. But don't you want to be a furry and do that? (laughs) No, I do not. Uh, But small soapbox on that. I don't like that they're changing it. Oh, yeah, like they don't have the integrity to kind of like stick behind their vision. Yeah, also this is an art by committee. Fan outrage doesn't decide where the piece goes. Even if the art is inherently crappy, like the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, like you don't let fans have that kind of say over your creation. You just don't. I feel like, I don't want to get like super conspiratorial, but I almost wonder if like... They had that in the hopper and they were like, cool, go! They already made this trailer a while back and they didn't want to cut like a new one while they're cooking the CG again. Yeah. because, like, people were already responding pretty poorly to the posters. Yeah. Like, and those came out forever know, ago. Six months, months ago. ago. Yeah. Like, it feels like it, all the posters were coming out, and I feel like that was the ramp up to the reveal of the movie, and then something pushed it back. Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like this is maybe a certain level. Maybe this is too conspiracy. No, I get it. Ish. I've had the same thought. but. I've had the same thought. Yeah. For sure. I don't know. Um, I, but I see what you're saying is that they didn't stick by their vision. Yeah, well, and just, like, I just don't, like, I can't imagine, like, unless, I, because, like, I feel like I have a good handle, as someone who creates something, I feel like I have a good handle on what I want this show to be. Yeah. And I think listeners hopefully understand that as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And if they don't like an episode, then maybe it was a bad episode, but I'm not going to not stick by the episode. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, it, it... you know, I think that every episode we've done, for the most part, there's one episode I regret. I'll let you figure that out. Um, I think every episode we've done, for the most part, has been, you know, with it, at least under that umbrella of what the mission of the show is. Yeah. Um, if people were like, change your show, mm-hmm. I'd be like, no, this is the show I want to make. This is how we decided it's going to be. This is... You know, go find another show that's like what you want to find, but this isn't, this is not the show for you, and I'm not going to change it because, you know, you're saying otherwise. Now, 
if I feel like we've gotten away from the principles of the show, then yeah, maybe. But mm-hmm. the Sonic trailer to me feels like that's that's still going to be the same movie whether or not he looks different or not. Mm. Right, and I'm probably still not going to see it whether he looks better or not. Oh, I'm totally going to see it. Either way. <laughs> just to watch the world burn. But for me, so... Well, we got to do an episode. And talk- oh, yeah. Yeah, that has to be done. <laughs> and talking about artistic license, though, what I viewed this as and where I would view it as not a slap on the art is if you had this animation team that they designed Sonic and they wanted it to look a certain way and then they listened to something that they shouldn't have listened to, maybe an executive producer or someone telling them no, we need this to look more gritty, more real, more grotesque. Look at what you know, Detective Pikachu is doing. Give this guy quads. Give this guy teeth. <laughs> and they sacrificed their own license to make it more in line with somebody else's vision. Mm-hmm. And then when there was that backlash, there was that I, I told you so moment. Now let us do like the Maybe. Anne Rand Fountainhead style and start erasing all these <laughs> Greco-Roman columns. And now look, this is the Sonic that us Sonic people loved. Right. And... That's what I'm hoping it was. But you're right. I think if you should stand by your art, even if it's crappy art, that's yeah. yours. Own it, you know, yeah. and make it work and let the world come around or not. And do better next time. Yeah, that's my philosophy about making movies. You always have another shot. <laughs> no, you always have another shot. Yeah, well, I, I think you also bring up a good point, which is that I've seen some kind of insidery reports saying that the art team didn't like the design they went with anyway. I mean, you know that they've made a thousand concepts of how he was supposed to look, and they yeah. probably honestly settled on maybe one of the worst ones you know yeah. so so there was some artistic vision somewhere along the way that maybe got garbled or something like that or got lost um that just made the wrong choice and maybe that they'll go back on another design that they did some of them actually did want and stick, stuck by you know um that being said I feel like all this is really just a way of you saying you, you just wanted them to go with the worst possible version of the movie to make it better <laughs> um, <laughs> to make it more entertaining I, I'm, I'm joking with you but. no <laughs> but if that's the movie we're gonna get so be it yeah because um, I, I kind of am disappointed because I kind of want to see the train wreck version yeah yeah most. for sure <laughs> that's where for I'm sure. going with this um, yeah so that's our Sonic fan cast thank you <laughs> um, which is uh, the mission statement of the show yeah uh, talk about Sonic as much yeah. as humanly possible Sonic X uh, cross uh, Shrek fan fiction. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sonic Team Racing comes out for Switch in uh, about 30 days, guys. Yeah. yeah. It's your Sonic your, your Sonic and Shrek fan fiction, the Aurora one. <laughs> and then you know what? Uh, the, the Crash Bandicoot game is not that much later, and Crash Bandicoot is also uh, furry, so there's also that. Um, yeah. We, we just we figured it out. This. Yep, sure yeah. did. <laughs> All right. Uh, we made a movie. Go watch it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, you made it. Tell them the details. I know, it's about a cop and he does stuff and comes up with life lessons and kills a bunch of people along the way. Yep. So, uh, it's pretty funny. No, yeah. It, uh, it was received well. I think everybody enjoyed it. Um, maybe we'll have a podcast on it one of these days. When... Yeah. We were trying to, but May's stupid. Yeah. May's a dumb mom. But things calm down. Maybe we'll have a second showing sometime, too, or something okay. like that. So we'll talk about it in the future. Yep. It's on YouTube. Uh, what's it called? The Precinct Redemption. So go find it. Um, hit us up if you want a link, if you can't find it. Yep. It's uh, Penguin Productions YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And uh, all three of us were in it. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Good times. Yep. And two-thirds of us were the best part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Aww. <laughs> Aww. Don't put yourself down like that, MJ. Hey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Um, yeah. Uh, I think that's it. We'll be back next week with uh, John Wick Chapter 3. Uh, Seb, thank you for coming by. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yep. And bringing beer. We don't usually have beer when we yeah. record. Um, so that is <laughs> that, nice. And that's the reason why we got into the Sonic discussion. <laughs> Let's be honest. After one? <laughs>
Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's all I need. Okay. <laughs> no wonder your keys got taken away from you. <laughs> gotta go fast. <laughs> to the paddy wagon. Oh, we're the bad guys. Michael Buffer's in Dumbo. Uh, 